Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. I'm excited to jump into the word today. I just believe that if we'll open our hearts and we'll open our ears, I believe that God has a custom word for each and every one of us today. Uh, I love I love God's word. It's so powerful. Um, I've I've had people tell me before, you know, after a service, hey, when you were preaching about such and such, it spoke right to me. And I'll think, I don't really remember saying exactly that way. But if God was speaking that to you, go ahead and receive it. And uh, I just believe that the Bible, well, I know the, the scripture says that every word uh, will be accomplished. Every word of God will be accomplished. I believe that in the house. Would you just lift your hands today? I just want us to pray over this next few moments, minutes that we have. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time together in your house, together with your people, God. And I just pray, Lord, that we would receive your word, receive your spirit today. Receive everything that you have for us, God. And I just pray right now, Lord, that each and every one of us would receive what we need, that you would bring to us, God, the needs of and desires of our heart today, God. And I just pray today, as, as your people walk out of this room, walk out of this house, that they would not walk in the same way that they would not walk out the same way that they walked in. We believe that in Jesus' name. How many said amen? Amen, amen. God bless you. I want to go here. I'm going to start. I, I, um, I'm going to, we, we've kind of come through our, our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. Uh, we had a little space in there. Uh, we had some fun last week um, with our uh, sports kind of themed uh, message and, and all that good stuff. But I want to start a series today that's going to really... Um, uh, re, 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 restart some of our ministries here as we've come through the holidays and um, through this series we'll, we'll start life groups um, I know we're going to have an op- another opportunity for next steps if you're new to promise you can be a part of next steps I know that we're having baptisms and baby dedications and all of those kind of good things and it's going to lead us up into Easter um, I want to I want to talk about this idea and I, I love that Tom mentioned during the offering about reaping what we sow because I don't think he knew this but I'm going to start a message series today called Planted. And Jesus oftentimes gave us um, farming parables. And I think that they're kind of lost on the modern world because I don't know about you, but I go to McDonald's. I don't plant wheat, have cows, turn the, I don't even know how all that stuff works, turn the milk to cheese you know, get bacon from a, a hog and, and, you know, get a, I mean, it takes like a year to get a bacon cheeseburger, right? But we can just hit McDonald's and you got a bacon cheeseburger in five minutes. So sometimes these parables are lost on us, but Jesus gave us these farming parables. I want to show you how important it is. Uh, let me show you Matthew 13, 31. It says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. So the kingdom is like a seed. Everybody catch that? 
Now I'm going to go to a parallel passage in the Gospel of Mark, and this is I'm really going to dive into this parable next week. But I, I wanted to go, I want to just kind of set the table this week. I'm going to dive into the parable next week. So come back. I believe there's going to be powerful revelation in the house next week. And in the third week of this, we're going to start life groups. Don't miss life groups. Uh, March, chap- March chapter, March the 6th, March the Sunday the 6th. Uh, it'll be a great day. And um, we're going to kick some things off here. But let me show you this parallel passage in Mark 4 and 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? He's saying, if you don't understand that the kingdom is like a seed, you're not going to understand anything that I'm trying to teach you. This is a foundational thing to understand that everything God wants to do in your life starts with a seed. And I I can't wait to jump into that next week, but I'm going to just kind of talk about planted today, planted to flourish. And I want to show you this passage. I love this one. Psalm 92, just two more verses. We'll sit down. Psalm 92, 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. So those who are planted in the house of God, there's a flourishing that happens. If you plant yourself, I remember the Psalms opened up by saying that you can You can be planted by the rivers. You can be like a tree that's planted by the river of God. That that your, your roots, they've got a water system. If you're planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. Here's what it said in 14. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Somebody over 30 ought to praise God right there. Somebody over 40 ought to praise God right there. You're still bearing fruit in old age. And they'll be fresh and flourishing. How? Just be planted in the house of God. Build your life on the word of God. Build your life in the presence of God. Be a worshiper. Be a praiser. Be somebody that serves God's people. Be somebody that loves God's people. Be somebody that's in the house of God. That's all you got to do. God bless you. Be seated. God bless you. Be seated. Um, a couple, I think Nate's already seated. A couple weeks ago, I told Nate, I turned around, I said, Nate, bring something good for the altar because I don't know how this sermon's going to go. And I almost feel that way again today. So I'm just being, I'm just putting it out there. A couple weeks ago went all right, right, Nate? So was, I just believe God's going to look over us today. You know, um, planted. I want to talk about being planted for the next few weeks. Planted, rooted. Um, you know, I, I think that life has a way of, of causing us sometimes to wither, causing sometimes to want to be transplanted. Um, I think cliches are true for a reason. Somebody said that the grass is greener on the other side, and they said, well, that's because they're watering it on the other side. So if you water the grass God give, gave you, it can be green as well. Uh, I remember my uh, pastor growing up would say, you'll bloom where you're planted, but you got to be planted. And this idea of planting a seed, I don't plant a seed for no reason. I plant a seed to see it flourish. I don't plant a seed just to plant a seed. I plant a seed to see a sprout come out of the ground and ultimately to see fruit come from that vine. 
I want there to be an orange. I want there to be an apple. I want there to be, somebody help me, a key lime. I want there to be, somebody in Florida help me. I want there to be a lime, some citrus. I want there to be a vine that comes out. And so I didn't plant it just to get rid of the seed. I planted it to flourish. Jesus gave us a great parable, maybe one of his most popular parables was about the sower and the seed. He said sometimes that when you plant the seed, it will land in ground that has thorns in it, and the thorns will choke out that seed. He said other times when seed is planted, it, it, it goes on stony ground, hard ground. There's not good soil, and because of that, the seed never really takes root. And he said sometimes people will drop seed in an area that has really no shade ever. It's just always all sun. And the sun can come out and burn up that seed if there's no rain. And then he said, but sometimes seed will fall on good ground. And we know that when you plant a seed in good ground with a proper nourishing or nurturing, and there's water, and there's sunlight, and there's good soil, that it will flourish. And Jesus told us this great teaching saying, the kingdom is like a seed. Everything I'm teaching you hinges upon you understanding this idea of the seed. And this idea of the Word of God being a seed in your heart and that when you're planted in the Word of God that there'll be a sprout, that there'll be a flourishing, that there'll be a fruit producing process in your life. And that's God's plan for all of us. Uh, I've known folks that claimed they were full of the Spirit, but there was no fruit of the Spirit. Don't think of anybody. Just say amen. It's okay. I've known folks that said they were full of the Spirit, but they had no fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus said, when there's a tree that's not producing fruit, you might as well cut it down. Because God's plan is for you to flourish. God's plan is for you to have fruit. And this psalm says the way for us to flourish is to be planted in the house of God. And if we're planted in the house of God, that will flourish, will be strong, will produce fruit year in, year out, season in, season out, even into old age, you'll still be fresh because you're planted in the house of God. Now, I, want to, I love that verse that we just read there in Psalm 92. Let me see it one more time. Psalm 92 and 13, it says, those who are planted in the house of God. Now, that word planted there in the Hebrew is shatau, shatau. Uh, and, and I don't know exactly know how to pronounce that, but I'm just going to fake it till I make it. Shatau. Uh, but it means, it, it can mean planted for the first time, but what I love about that as I was diving into it this week, it also can mean transplanted. It's possible that you were planted somewhere, but you can be transplanted to the house of God. And the reason I like that is because everybody was planted somewhere. And sometimes you didn't have anything to do with where you were planted. You didn't have anything to do with how you grew up. You didn't choose your upbringing. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose the location. You didn't choose the time. You didn't choose any of that. But the Bible is telling us today that you can transplant yourself into the house of God. And if you'll transplant yourself out of where you've been planted, you'll flourish in the house of God. 
there's a lot of people that have been trying to flourish in bad surroundings, planted in bad habits, planted in addictions, planted in negative lifestyles, planted in bad influences and negative emotions. And all of us today have the opportunity to uproot some of those things and say, God, I've been standing here. I've been around these folks. I've been dealing with these things. But today, I want to uproot some of that. And I want to find myself and put my knees down in the altar. I want to put my face down in the altar and put some roots down in a prayer closet and put some roots down in the house of God and put my face in the book and the word of God and I want to get down deep into the things of God and the Bible said that deep will call unto deep and so when you get deep into the things of God all of a sudden God is revealing the depth and the riches and the blessing and the good things that God has for you. But you've got to say, I'm pulling out of those things and I'm planting down in these things. Somebody ought to say amen right there. And so location matters. I want to be planted in the house of God. First thing I want to tell you is that you'll grow when you're planted. You can't grow if you're not planted. I've seen people pull plants out of the ground and put them on display in some way. Guess what? They don't grow no more. There's a, there's a clock. There's a timeline. Those things are going to be done real soon. You pull a flower out of the ground. You put it in a vase. It's got a couple weeks, fellas. Valentine's Day was last week. So those things are wilting and falling apart already. Should have left them in the ground. Should have planted a, a, a flower bed in the front yard. Because you can't grow if you're not planted. But if you stay planted, you'll keep growing. There was a woman named Hannah, and, and she had a husband named Elkanah, and they never had children. And she began to have this, this great desire to have a child. She began to pray, and she began to fast that God would give her a child. And, and without diving too deep into that story, or at least the genesis of that story, I want to show you, I, I want to pick up the place where she had received her miracle. And the son had now been given to her. She went through an intense season of going to the temple and praying and, and crying and fasting and just believing for this miracle. But the child has come, and I'll pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 21. It said, when her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill this vow that he had made to, to sacrifice to the Lord, the Bible says Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, then I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there in the house of the Lord, in the temple. He'll live there, notice it, always. The husband says, do what seems best for, to you. Stay here until you've weaned him. He wanted to take the child then. She said, no, I don't want to take him yet. I want to be able to wean him, but then I'm going to plant him in the house of God. And she said, only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home, nursed her son until she had weaned him. And then it says in verse 24, after that, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, brought to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. Verse 25. They brought the boy to Eli, that was the prophet, the, the uh, priest rather, of the temple. And she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, 
I love this now. I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. Now, I'm sure that Eli had a lot of folks come into the temple and come and make a sacrifice, come and pray a prayer, and then leave. But she was saying, uh, uh, Priest Eli, I want you to remember me. I was the one that was here in that, in that intense time of fasting and prayer. I was passionately praying for a child. She was saying, Eli, do you remember? You were the one that walked in on me and I was praying. And you actually scolded me. I love, I love the, anybody that says the Bible's boring, you ought to just dive into it sometime. The, pray, the Eli the, comes in and sees this woman beside herself, passionately praying. If anybody thinks that you might get a little too wild in church sometimes, you ought to read the Bible, because she was so passionately praying, and, and that, that the priest actually scolded her and said, honey, you are drunk, it's time to go home. You ever seen somebody in church that said, these folks look like they're drunk? Happened in the beginning of Acts. Peter said, they're not drunk like you think they are. I'm not saying they're not drunk, but they're not drunk like you think they are. They're drunk in the spirit is what he's saying. And, and, and she was. She was just beside herself passionately praying. And he confronts her, and, and she says, no, 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 I'm not drunk. I, I, I've not, no, I, I, that's not the case. I'm just desperate for my miracle. And so in this verse, she's bringing Eli's mind back to that, saying, I am that woman. I'm the woman who stood here crying. I'm the one that was on the fast. I'm the one that was praying so deeply and so earnestly and so passionately that you thought I was intoxicated. Verse 27, she said, I prayed for this child. And here he is. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. What I love about this, there's so many things there, but what I love about this is there's a mother who decides my son is going to grow up in God's house. Not just going to visit, not just come occasionally, but he's going to be planted and he's going to grow. If God is going to be able to do what I believe God wants to do in his life, I'm going to plant him in the house of God. And so the church became his home, literally. He did, not have a, uh, he did not grow up in his parents' home, but his parents separated him for service to the Lord and gave him over to the priest to say, hey, just let him serve you. Just let him serve God. Just let him serve God's people. Just let him serve God's house. And the mother realized if he's going to be who God's called him to be, he's got, if he's going to be able to flourish, I've got to plant him in the house of God. And I want to say today that there's a difference in casually, occasionally observing or visiting and being planted in the house of God. There's a difference in just, oh yeah, it's kind of something that I might stop by on Easter or Christmas or once a month or once in a while or occasionally, or I think I remember... <laughs> 
Sometimes, sometimes this is my second service commentary, but I just feel comfortable. I, I was in the barbershop uh, maybe a year or so ago, and somebody said, yeah, you know what? I, they I, somehow always get outed as being the pastor at the barbershop. And uh, they ask me all kinds of questions, and sometimes I want to crawl under a rock, you know, or just, just, just cut my hair. I got to go. But um, this time somebody said, oh, you, you pastor a church in Longwood? Yeah, okay, you know, where's that, this and that. He goes, I go to a church in Longwood. It might be that one. And I didn't recognize him. And I said, really? Well, maybe. I, yeah, it's possible. And I go, well, what's the name of your church? I, I don't remember. <laughs> I was like, you don't remember the name of your church? <laughs> I go, well, where is it at? He's like, well, you go down, you go down, you go down Ronald Reagan and you, it might be your church. And I was like, if you don't know where it is or what the name is, you might not be planted in the house of God. But I want to be planted in the house of God. I want to know the name of the church. I want to know the address of the church. I want to know where to go to be in the house of God. And when you're planted in the house of God, you'll flourish in the house of God. I love Ephesians 2 and 19. It said, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but your fellow citizens with God's people. Furthermore, and also, plus two, you are members of his household. Now, this is a difference. If I came to your house, you might welcome me. You might say, hey, you know, sit down. We prepared dinner. You know, have a good time. But I'm not part of your household. I'm visiting your house. But here is the invitation to not just visit God's house, but here is the invitation to be a part of God's household. And so God is inviting you from moving on just visiting God's house or just being a visitor in God's family to being a part of God's family. I'm not just visiting God's house. I'm not just visiting God's family. But now I'm a part of God's family. I love this invitation here. You're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner. But you're a part of God's household. And I just want to tell somebody today that this is God's house, this is God's family, and you can be a part of God's family today. You can be a part of God's house today. In fact, God wants you to be a part of His household. I love the imagery, and if we follow it today, we know that God is our Heavenly Father. I love the image of God as our Father it's a it's a it's a totally different thing than any of the other so-called world religions especially from that time the pagan religions envisioned a deity that had lightning bolts ready to throw them at them at any time they envisioned deities with tridents and spears and and just ready to strike them down but god introduces himself to abraham as a father don't miss that today. As a father, in Jesus' model prayer, he said, pray after this manner in Luke 11 and 2. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. James 1 and 17 reminds us that every good and every perfect gift... 
James 1 and 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. They were instructed in Acts 1, Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so it's well established that we are His children and we are invited into the household of God. And if God is our Father, then in the house of God, I'm happy to tell you, you have brothers and you have sisters. You have a family in the house of God. In fact, it's a, it's a millennia-old tradition to refer to folks in church as a brother or a sister. Romans 8 and 15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Romans 8 and 15, Carlin. Romans 8 and 15. Does not make you slaves so that you would fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by that we cry, Abba, Father. So I, I, I've been adopted into this household. I call him father and we are his children. And I don't want to try to sing this song. I'm looking around for the, the worship team. But there's an old song that said, you're my brother. There's folks that know the song in the house. You're my brother. You're my sister. So take me by the hand. And 129 times in the New Testament, it refers to you and me and the believers as brothers and sisters. But oftentimes, that's where our understanding stops. But I want to remind you today that the church is the bride of Christ. And if God is our heavenly Father and you and I are brothers and sisters, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that the church is the bride of Christ and that the bride of Christ will be presented to the Lord without blemish or wrinkle. And seven times in that chapter of Ephesians chapter 5, it refers to the church as the bride. And so the church is referred to as the bride many times, even by the prophet. Prophets found in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Joel. It's found again in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and four more times in the book of Revelation. Even the last chapter of your Bible, just three verses before the Bible closes, we see in Revelation 22 and 17 that the Bible says the Spirit of God and the bride are saying, come on. Let the one who hears... Say, come. Let the one who's thirsty, come on. Let the one who wishes to take on this free gift of the water of life, come on and drink of this. Here's what I love is that the Spirit of God is inviting you to salvation. But not only the Spirit of God is inviting you, but also the church is inviting you as well. The bride is saying, come on. So what I love, and I love, and I just want to remind the church, this is our job too. The Spirit is telling folks, come and receive salvation. But the church ought to be telling folks, come and receive salvation. Come and drink of this water. Come and receive everything that you need. And so 
we know that God is our Father. I know that you and I are brothers and sisters. And we know that it's through the church that there's, there's these spiritual children being born. We call that being born again. In fact, Peter writes to the church and he challenges them. He says, look, church, I wish I could give you solid food. But you're still babies. You're still spiritual babies on milk. But I wish that you'd grow up a little bit because I want to give you some steak. I want to give you some meat. I want to give you some solid food. But it's the church that takes people from being babies to being grown-up, mature Christians. And so it's the church that brings that about. And Hannah, being the mother of, of Samuel, realized that in proxy of me being his mother, the house of God is going to be his mother. The house of God is going to raise him from being on milk to being on meat. Notice she said, as soon as he's weaned, I'm going to bring him to the house of God. So it's fair to say that we are children of God, but we are also children of the church because the church is his bride and we are his children. And I know that might sound a little bit strange, but it's all through the Bible. Galatians 4 and 26, the uh, writer Paul says that Jerusalem is the mother of us all. And he's writing to the church at Galatia saying, even though you're not Jewish like me, that day of Pentecost was the birth of the church. And that is the mother of us all. Jerusalem, the mother of us all. And because of that, he's saying, we're all in the same spiritual family. We've all received the same spirit of adoption. We're all the same brothers and sisters, and we all have the same mother. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7, it says, We were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cares for her children. He's saying the ministry of the church was like a mother to you that nursed you from milk to meat. And if God is our father and the church is his bride and we are his children, brothers and sisters, then in the household of God, we need the church as well. That's why you've heard the phrase, the mother church. Uh, I praise God for the churches that we're helping to grow in Guatemala. And we were able to produce that building. And they might be able to produce churches out from under them. And that's why some will say that was the mother church. And it had baby churches. And they grew up and became a mother church and had baby churches. In fact, in the Oxford Dictionary, it defines the church as a mother in its nurturing and protecting the believer. Now, I just want to say here, and I don't know, I, I, I was thinking about this this morning. I don't know how politically correct this is anymore, but I'm going to just go for it. Is that all right? I'll say that women are great nurturers. Mothers are tremendous nurturers. I remember when I was in the hospital and they handed me our boys, I didn't know what to do. But they handed it to mama and mama knew what to do. I remember one of the nurses told I remember one of the nurses told me they said just hold the baby like a football. And all of a sudden it made sense. I was good from that moment on. Oh, a football? That's something I understand. So I took the baby like a football and I was good cuz I knew how to hold a football. But you know what? Women didn't need told that. They just know how to hold a child. 
They just, they, God has put a nurturing spirit inside of a mother. God has put a beauty inside of a mother that, man, I'll tell you, we have to catch up to. But God installed it in the mother. And I'm just, I've been trying to tell, find a way to tell the church this, but I'll just tell it this way. Uh, my family, we're expecting a third child now. And so I am excited to watch my wife be a mother again. But here's what I want to say. A mother is so important in your nurturing. And the church is the nurturing in the household of God. You need a father. You need a mother. You need brothers. You need a sisters. And I wonder if anybody would agree with me today that it was the church that took me as a spiritual baby to being a mature person in the house of God. It was the church that grew me up. It was the church that taught me. It was the church that took me from that milk to the meat. But I was able to flourish in the house of God. I wonder if anybody say amen right there. I, uh, I got to move on. Number two, you'll flourish when you're planted in the house. I think you'll grow, but you'll also flourish when you're planted. Samuel was truly growing up in the house of God. He lived there. He served under the prophet Eli. And one night as Samuel was laying in bed, the Bible says in verse 10 that the Lord came. 1 Samuel 3 verse 10. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, saying, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I love that. When you're in the house of God, you'll just be going about your routine. I'm sure he brushed his teeth. I'm sure he took a shower. I'm sure he put on his pajamas. I'm sure he took off his, his eyeglasses and got in his bed and pulled up the covers, just going through his daily routine in the house of God, not knowing that that day there was going to be a word, not knowing that day there was going to be a calling. Not knowing that day there'd be an anointing that came over his life. And I'll tell you, in the house of God, you'll just go through the routine. You'll just wake up. You'll just put your shoes on. You'll just get dressed for church. You'll just come in. You'll just lift your hands like you always do. You'll just pray like you always do. But there'll be a breakthrough. See, at some point, that sprout breaks through the soil. At some point, that sprout breaks through the seed. At some point, that fruit breaks through the vine. There will be breakthroughs in the house of God as you're just going through the routine. You're just watering the soil. You're just getting in the sunlight. You're just, you're just doing the things that you do. But God will say, hey, in the middle of your routine, I'm about to break through and put a calling on your life, an anointing on your life, a favor, a blessing that's going to make everything different, going to make your ears tingle, going to change everything about your life. And it happens when you're planted in the house of God. There's unexpected times, unexpected ways, blessings will happen, fruit is produced, flowers will bud and bloom because the psalm is true that you'll flourish in the house of God. Samuel had never heard the voice of God before this night. It was just a regular day, just a regular night. But guess what? He's planted. He's serving. He's working. 
He's being faithful. He's just putting one step in front of the other. And I'll tell you, that's the way that God works just while you're serving, just while you're working. Just while you're going, you say, I've been coming to church every Sunday for the last 50 Sundays. Keep coming. Keep believing. You say, I I pray this prayer every time I come into the house of God. Keep praying. Keep believing. You say, I've been serving in the kids' ministry all these years. Keep serving. Keep working. Keep obeying. Keep believing. I've I've been serving in this way or in that way in the house of God. Keep doing it. Keep praising God. Keep worshiping God. Keep sacrificing. Keep believing because it's in the middle of that routine that a breakthrough is coming. Somebody say, I just, I've just been tithing. I've just been doing it, and I'm not seeing Keep doing it. I've been serving. Keep doing it. I've been praying this prayer. Keep praying that prayer. I've been fat. Keep fasting. I've been believing. Keep believing. I've been doing. Keep going. Keep on believing in God. Keep on trusting in God because there's coming a breakthrough in your life. Three times that night. The Lord calls out to Samuel the first time. He thought it was the voice of Eli. He runs in and he says, prophet, do you need anything? Is everything okay? Eli said, son, that wasn't me. Go back to sleep. The second time he hears the voice, he runs in to the prophet's chamber and he says, prophet, did you need me? He said, son, that wasn't me. He said, go back. And if you hear that voice again, it's the voice of God and say, yes, Lord. Here am I. I'll tell you, yes, Lord, here am I, is the greatest thing that a servant of God can say. And here's what I want to say. I want God to know where to find me. I don't know how good that theology is. I know God is everywhere all the time. He knows if, David said, he knows if I'm flying in the high sky. He knows if I'm down in the depths. But I want to tell God, you know where to find me on Sunday. You want to bless me? I'm planted in the house of God. You want to save me? I'm going to be in the altar on Sunday. You want to deliver me? I'm going to be serving in the house on Sunday. You got an anointing, a calling. You need somebody to do something. Lord, here am I. Lord, use me. If you can use anything, use me. If you want to know where I'm at, I'm in the house of God. If you want to know where I'm at, I'm serving you. That's what Samuel was saying. There will be times, there will be people, there will be blessing, there will be healing, there will be salvation, there will be deliverance on just regular days in the house of God. That lame man thought it was just another day of begging for the day's provisions. If I can just get a couple bucks, I can get coffee, I can get milk, I can get bread, I can get get enough food to make it through my day. He thought he was just begging for today's provisions, but he did not realize that his miracle was waiting on him at the gate into the house of God. There's a miracle waiting on him in the house of God. God told Samuel, I'm about to do something in your life that will change the nation and the people of God forever. And it happened on 
on just a regular day. It happened on just a regular night. I want to remind you that it, it, it doesn't have to be Easter or Christmas. It doesn't have to be your birthday or your anniversary or your baptism birthday or your salvation. It don't have to be that. It can just be a regular day in the house of God where the voice of God comes and the promise of God comes into your life. I wish somebody say amen right there. I got to move on. Number three, um, the, the last thing I want to say is that flourishing is in the waiting. Flourishing is in the waiting. Flourishing is in the waiting. You know, people have been coming to God's house for 4,000 years. God designated a day for us to get away from our work, get away from our daily responsibilities, for a day of rest, for a day of recharging, for a day of revival, for a day of worship, for a day of praise, for a day of sacrifice, for a day of service. All of that happens in the house of God. Somebody said, well, I could rest in my bed. That would be a physical rest. You need a spiritual rest. I could rest on the beach. You could. But you need a spiritual rest. That happens in the house of God. I could praise. I could worship in my car. Yes, you could. There's something powerful about praising God with God's people in God's house. Say, I could open the word by myself. You could. But there's something powerful about God's people gathering and receiving the anointed delivery of the word of God. And all of those things happen. The serving God's people can only happen in the house of God. Uh, The sacrifice can happen in the house of God. And in the Old Testament, there was this promise about the Sabbath because God knew even then there would be a resistance to it. And it was as if people would say, Lord, I'm too busy. I can't leave my field. I can't leave my farm. I can't leave my my cattle. I can't leave my herd. I can't leave my shop. I can't leave my business. And God gave them this amazing and powerful promise in Exodus chapter 34, verse 23. He actually, in addition, he was saying, in addition to the Sabbath, I want three special times a year where all of the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord, the God of Israel. And he said, I will drive out nations before you. I will enlarge your territory. No one will covet your land. And when you go up three times a year to uh, appear before, when you go up to appear before the Lord. This promise is actually repeated more times than we have time for today. Throughout the Old Testament, even into the New, many times God makes a promise that if you'll put me first, if you'll come to the house of God on the Sabbath day, and specifically right here on the times of the festivals, that there will be no loss while you're in the house of God. No cattle's going to get away. While you're in the house of God. No thief is going to come in and burn down your cornfield or your wheat field while you're in the house of God. You're not going to lose a business deal coming to the house of God. You're not going to lose that client 
coming to the house of God. You're not going to miss a mortgage payment coming to the house of God. He promises there will be no loss if you'll put me first. And so imagine that as they leave their field and as they leave their flock and as they lock up their shop and they go and make that journey to the house of God, God is saying, while you are worshiping, I will be working. Notice, I will enlarge your territory. While you are worshiping, I'll be working. While the seed's in the ground, God is flourishing it. While the seed's in the ground, God's bringing the sunlight to break through the clouds. While the seed's in the ground, God brings in a rain cloud at just the right time. While the seed's in the ground, God's making a fruit pop from the vine. I can put the seed in the ground, but it's only God that can make it rain. It's only God that can bring the sun. I can put the seed in the ground, but it's only God that makes the fruit pop through the vine. God is saying, if you'll trust me, if you'll wait on me, if you'll believe me, if you'll plant yourself in the house of God, there's not going to be any loss, but I'll enlarge your territory. I'll fight your battles. I'll run off your enemies. I'll put an anointing on you. I'll put a blessing on you. If you'll just plant yourself and wait. God's promise is I'll watch over your business and there'll be no loss. God's promise is if you'll worship, I'll watch your field. God's promise is if you'll worship, I'll bring fruit from the vine. I'll protect your harvest. I'll protect your field. We will flourish in all that we do if we stay planted in the house of God. I remember the promise was those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. If you'll just wait on God, God will do the rest. God will bring the flourishing. But the flourishing is in the wait. I, I wanted to ask the church a question. I got I to gotta close here in just a minute. I wanted to ask the church a question and see if anybody in the house knew who Truett Cathy was. I'm sure there's probably a few of you smart folks that know who Truett Cathy was, but I would say that everybody knows the chicken restaurant that he founded called Chick-fil-A. Here's something so amazing about Chick-fil-A is that 70 years ago, he started it. And from its inception, he made a vow to the Lord that God would be his business partner. He said, Lord, every Sunday, I'm going to close my shop. I'm going to lock my restaurant on Saturday night, and I'm not going to open it up until Monday morning. And I'm not going to make any of my employees work while I'm at worshiping. I'm going to give them the day off. And if they go to the beach or they go to the sleep in, that's on them. But I'm giving them an opportunity to plant themselves in the house of God. He wanted to stay planted. He wanted God to be his business partner and his Vowed to the Lord, he stated this, was that, Lord, I'll work six days a week, but I want you to watch over my business. I want you to watch over my house, and I'm going to close that door on Sunday, and I'm going to worship. And he had said this statement. He said, God can do more in six days than I can do in seven days. And I don't think God even needs six days. I mean, I just, but, but he can do more than six days than I can do in seven days. 
He passed away a couple years ago. He was 93. But after his death, um, the Super Bowl was actually in his hometown of Atlanta. And in that stadium, there's a Chick-fil-A. There was a big discussion as to whether they would open for the big game. It's the Super Bowl. There's a lot of business. I don't know if you've ever gone to these entertainment venues, but it's a bunch of hot dogs and pretzels and chips and cheese out of a can. I'm going to take Chick-fil-A all day over that. So they would have just made money hand over fist. But they had made a vow, the business had made a vow, no exception. We're not going to open on the Lord's Day. And so even on that Super Bowl Sunday, they made no exception. And that business was closed in the football stadium. Because the people knew in that, in that business, even though Truett Cathy had passed on, God's hand has been on this business. God's anointing has been on this restaurant. God's favor has been on this business. And if we plant ourselves, I don't want to transplant from the house of God. I don't want to uproot from the house of God. I don't want to pull my kids out of the house of God. I don't want to pull my root system out of the house of God. God has blessed us to this point. Why would we pull ourselves out of the place that we've prospered? Why would we pull ourselves out of the place that we flourished? And so they said, no. That day is holy to the Lord. And I don't know about you, but when I go about to these Chick-fil-A's around town, I'll go to the Castleberry one, I'll go to the Lake Mary one, I'll go to the Sanford one, I've gone to the Winter Park one on 1792, and I'm sure that you all have experienced the same thing. That drive through is not three or four cars. It's wrapped around the building three or four times. And I just believe that that's an evidence that God's promise is true. He'll watch over your business. He'll watch over your home. He'll bless your hand, everything that you touch. But the flourishing is in the waiting and being planted in the house of God. Music come. I got to close. I want to encourage you today to be planted. And to just wait in the house of God. You know, I, um, I've, I've noticed so many times that the kingdom really is like a seed. I thought about how sometimes farmers have more faith than I do. Because the farmer will open that ground and he'll throw the seed in the ground. But he's not doing it for any reason. He's doing it for it to flourish. For it to bring forth the fruit. I thought about how sometimes I throw seed and I don't even, I forget about the seed. I don't wait. I don't watch. But God, but Jesus told us that the kingdom, everything that I want to teach you, is like a seed going into the ground. You cover it up. And I've done what I can do when I just plant it. I've done what you've done what you can do today. Just come into the house of God. And it's God that brings the rain. It's God that brings the sun. It's God that brings the fruit out of the vine. And I love in Corinthians, Paul gave us this example. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God brought the increase. Paul's saying, I planted the church, 
But then I appointed Apollo, and, and he was preaching the word to you every Sunday. He was, he was visiting you in the hospital. He was, he was dedicating your children and burying your parents and marrying your kids and all those things. But he, but, but he watered. But, but don't forget, it was God that brought the increase. And I thought about how all I've got to do is plant that seed, and God's going to bring the increase. I had a, uh, I had a, uh, a story of our, our time in ministry that um, brought back to my mind over the last week, and I just thought it would fit with the close. So bear with me for just a second. I, I want to just give a personal story. I, um, a few years ago, my wife and I, well, I should, should back up and say my wife and I, we started out in ministry doing youth ministry. And um, some of you all will remember uh, my wife and I doing youth ministry here. And we would do different things that we had opportunities to. If someone opened a door for us to go to a camp or a conference or a convention or a youth revival or whatever. Um, but that's how we started. And even in this church, we ran a, uh, a church van and we would pick uh, teenagers up. And we would bring them to the, the house of God on a Sunday just to, to give them that start to plant them in the house of God. I remember getting frustrated with the traffic between here and Altamont, and I would pull the van up, jump out, and God bless y'all, I used to lead worship, that was, you know, that was, I'd park the van and run up and try to lead worship. We just planted seeds and in some ways forgot about them, um, in some ways just left it in the hands of God, not forgot about it, but just left those seeds in the hands of God. And then... Just a few years ago, just two or three years ago, um, some friends of mine invited me to go to a ministry conference that was outside of any ministry circle that I had ever run in. I didn't know anybody there but my two friends that invited me to go. So I walk into this ministry conference. There's probably three or four or 5,000 people at this ministry conference. I didn't know anybody there except my two friends. And um, after one of the day sessions, we went out to a restaurant. And again, I didn't know anybody there just my two friends, I get seated next to people, and it's one of those networking things, hey, you know, I pastor here, I pastor there, I do this ministry, I do that ministry, and the God's honest truth is I sit next at a, uh, it was a taco place, I sit next to this fella, and I introduce myself, and he doesn't know me, I don't know him, and he tells me a city in the country that he, he pastors in. And it's a little country town in the middle of the country. And I say, oh, that's interesting. I said, I know that town. He goes, you know that town? I said, yeah, I know that town. And uh, I said, in fact, when I was doing youth ministry, there were some teenagers in our youth group that ended up in that town. And I began to tell the story of their, of their life and, and how they ended up in that area. And God's honest truth is he named all four of those kids' names. And I didn't know any of them. I didn't know him from anybody. He didn't know me from anybody. This was a big conference. It was not a ministry circle that I ever ran in. And he named all four of those kids' names. And I had a moment there where tears well up in my eyes. People are looking at me, and I'm a little bit beside myself. I'm sweating because I'm embarrassed that I can't control my emotions. And, and he, he doesn't know what he's done to me to make me just tear up this way. It just seemed like a coincidence. But I may know nothing with God as a coincidence. And he said, 
Son, this he's because it was a Wednesday or a Thursday. He goes, Sunday, those two boys were setting chairs up with me in my little church that's opening up in a school. And I couldn't believe the seeds had blossomed in such a way. The fruit had blossomed in such a way. I had just planted the seeds and I had forgot about those seeds and I went on with my life. But it was God's way of reminding me all these years later that if you'll just plant the seed, I'm watching over the seed to bring about a harvest. If you'll just plant, I'll bring out the sun, I'll bring out the water, I'll bring the fruit. You just plant and let God do the rest. I wonder if we could stand all over the house today. And I just want to remind somebody today that there is flourishing in the waiting. I want to, I want to, just, I want to just make an appeal here for just a moment, if you'll stay with me. I want to make an appeal today to the altar. And I know that I've maybe been a little bit all over the place today, and I apologize for that. But I want to just open the altar today and give you an opportunity to say, Lord, I'm planted. I don't know in what way you're going to bring a fruit. I don't know in what way you're going to bring the harvest. But, Lord, I'm planted. Because all you have to do is be planted, and God brings the rest. I want to pray over you today, and as I do, I just invite you to come. I want to just give space for the Lord to do what He wants to do today. I just wonder if you'd plant yourself, maybe bow your knee at this altar, maybe just put your head down in this altar today and just say, Lord, I want to put myself in this place. I want to put some roots down and just say, Lord, have your way in my life. And as I pray, I'll just invite you to come. Lord Jesus, I just pray all over this house today that as we plan ourselves in your house, God, as we plan ourselves in your kingdom, God, as we put ourselves down in you, Lord, that you would just begin to do a work in us that only you can do, God. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.